Broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett studio inside the Sonesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. It's time for Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services. We are the cornerstone of security in the Southeast. Welcome, everybody, to Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Securities. I am Rick Strong, your host and president of Paradigm Security Services. And we are broadcasting live from the Subaru Gwinnett studio located in the beautiful Sonesta Hotel in downtown Duluth, right off of 85. Each week we plan a feature business, uh, excuse me, we plan to feature businesses in the Atlanta area, especially for those that serve Gwinnett County. All businesses have security concerns, though not all about physical security, and we will touch on that. We're going to focus on all aspects of security and through the course of this show, as well as to kind of highlight some of the businesses here locally that uh, and give them a chance to talk about themselves. So today we have got John Sosby, and he is uh, owner of Sosby's Garage, actually located just barely outside Gwinnett County over in Loganville, but uh, I personally use his services for our security vehicles and Want to just to kind of introduce him, let him tell you about who he is, how he got where he is, and a little bit about his shop. John? Well, hi, everybody. Um, my name's John Sosby. I'm Sosby's Garage in Loganville, Georgia. We've been in operation uh, four years. Uh, we do, like Rick said, most of his security cars, um, which is a joy for us because he's always got work. The, uh, we pay his rent. Yeah, basically he does. Um Rick's one of the best guys I've worked for as far as, you know, keeping the cars in line and keeping them on the road. Uh, All his cars are top-notch. He provides security for a lot of different places, and uh, we're just real happy to have Paradigm on board with us as a business partner. Well, I appreciate it. How did you get into doing garage and repairs, and how long have you been doing it? Uh, I've been doing this as long as I can remember, Rick. you know, the first memories I have are taking apart my sister's go-kart because they wouldn't let me ride it. I'm third generation at this. Um, my father and my grandfather were both technicians or mechanics. I, I prefer mechanic over technician. Uh, so Old we ju- school. Yeah, just old school. Uh, my garage is named after my father's place, which is old school garage. I handwrite all my tickets. Uh, it's a personal one-on-one relationship with everybody that comes through the door doesn't matter if you're the mayor, the city council members, the president, whoever shows up, everybody gets treated the same. Well, I've noticed that, and it, uh, the customer service is fantastic. Well, you know, you said how, kind of how long, how long has Sosby's Garage actually been in business? We've been in business going, we're in our fourth year now. And, uh, you know, should I use, um, you know, there's a lot of questions that come up about vehicles and what do I do and how do I do and you know how often do i do uh, here just throw one question out for you you know talking about their oil for instance regular synthetic how often should it be changed uh, you should follow your manufacturer's recommended specifications in other words if they call for synthetic use it if they call for conventional oil whatever the manufacturer recommends that's what i would go with some cars are designed only to run synthetic some cars are designed to run only conventional when you start mixing the two, that's where you start running into a little problem. 
but whatever the manufacturer's recommendations are for that particular vehicle is what I would say use in it. Um, that they have designed everything in that motor to work that way with either the synthetic or the conventional. There's not really, well, there is a difference between synthetic and conventional. Synthetic is man-made. Conventional is actually the old dead dinosaurs they pump out of the ground. To me, uh, the cost effectiveness of the conventional oil compared to synthetic, I would run conventional and change it according to my manufacturer's recommendations. Well, you know, a lot of people nowadays uh, are buying used cars. And that's one of the things that, uh, you know, people kind of wonder is a lot of times you'll find one on one of the uh, social medias or, you know, a used car lot or your, your friend next door. And even with your friend next door, you know, is it something that you should go ahead and have someone take a look at, go through, inspect, make sure that everything's working like they say it's working? Because a lot of times, at least in my experience, some people sell a car, they don't even know there's something wrong with it. Absolutely. Um, A used car inspection is the best money you're ever going to spend when you're buying a used car. If that dealer that is selling or the neighbor that is selling that used car will not let you take it in and have it inspected, turn around and walk away from it. Uh, Usually we can find enough to justify taking off the selling price of stuff that's wrong with it. Plus, as a consumer, you want to know what you're getting into. In other words, if you've got a radiator that's going to fail in 3,000 miles that's already leaking coolant, you want to know that before you buy the car. That way you're ahead of the game. Um, You know, you can save a lot of money by doing the preventative maintenance on the vehicle, but you also save a lot of money in buying the vehicle by having it checked out. Safety concerns, check the brakes, check the taillights, check everything on that thing. That's what we do in our used car inspection. We go from top to bottom on it. Now, it doesn't guarantee the transmission's not going to fail, but what it does guarantee is there's fresh fluid in it and it's full. It also guarantees that all the the brakes are in great shape you know you look at the pad material you look at the thickness the thickness of the rotors you look for any worn or torn up front suspension or steering parts that are worn out so it's it's cost effective to use the used car inspection again if they won't let you have it looked at walk away from it because there's obviously something wrong with it here in the south we get a lot of cars that come down from up north most people try to sell them off their rust buckets on the bottom you don't realize that they're nice, shiny, brand new looking on the outside. When you pick it up and look at the bottom side, you see rust everywhere. Uh, that salt damage is costly. Uh, it costs the next owner more money to have it repaired. So it, 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 that's just the way it works. I mean, you know, you save money in the long run by having that used car inspection. Well, I know that uh, from personal experience, I always have one checked with the exception uh, we buy a lot of our cars from uh, Gwinnett County, from the uh, police lot. That as they get, as they recycle them out and get new cars, we'll take a look at them, go online, bid on them, and get them. Now, I brought you several cars, and I don't think I've ever brought you a car that didn't need something done. And you know, it's just one of those things where they've had a lot of miles on it. They've they've gone through a lot, and even with regular maintenance, that I mean, I'm law enforcement background. We had to take ours in ever so many miles, period. So I know that they're serviced, I know they're kept up, and I know they replace stuff that goes wrong for safety issues. But still, there's always something there that, you know, they're not going to fix because they're going to recycle it out. 
Uh, I know people don't fix stuff because, well, we're going to sell it, and this it still runs good, and nobody will know. So those are good things to come in and bring in and have it checked out and so you can really take a look at it. Absolutely. You know, that used car inspection goes a long way, plus you can use it as a negotiating point with the seller. You usually end up saving the money you spend on the used car inspection with the problems we find with the car that have to be fixed. If the seller doesn't want to fix them, at least you know going in what you're facing. Well, you know, it, it's better to go in op- wide eyes wide open than it is to not have a clue and find out somewhere down the road. Yeah, it, it's real tough down the road. Uh, in case in point, I had a uh, young kid. He's about 16. I think he just got his driver's license. He went to the one of the local used car dealers. He bought his dream car, which was a little Mustang. Uh, he drove it to school the next day. He came in. He was having issues with it. We put it up on the lift, and you could put your hand through the rust holes in the bottom of this car that he didn't even know was there. Wow. He took it back to the dealer and got a refund, which in the long term, as many problems as that car had or were going to have, it saved him a lifetime of misery just by knowing. You know, you usually have about three days to return one. And uh, he took advantage of that and took it in, and now he's become a lifelong customer. I'm actually working on his Mazda that he has bought now, and uh, he works at our local Ingalls out there in Loganville. Did he buy the Mazda sport car? He did. The RX-7? Yeah. Yeah, it figures. Yep, he got him a little Mazda, and he's happy as a little clam. So, <laughs> Well, at least he knows it's running right. Well, I know I got a question. You know, I have also have a boat that we've had for, well, it's a 1978 boat, and it's got a 350 Chevy engine in it. Right. And I'm running into a problem that the mechanic can't identify, and I think I know what it is. I think it's a vapor lock. And is there something that people – can you describe what a vapor lock does and how it reacts? And so that I mean, there may be people out here right now that are having it, and all of a sudden they think there's something else wrong with it. They take it to a mechanic, and probably a good idea that they know that that might be the problem before they take it and what they can do. Absolutely. Uh, Vapor lock, what happens on the vapor lock is the fuel actually boils. It's like the old percolator coffee pots. Uh, When the engine gets hot, the fuel boils, and it vaporizes it, and it leaves usually on carbureted engines, not so much on the fuel-injected motors anymore. But the carbureted engines, they get vapor lock. And what happens is... Air in the the line? They they get air. What happens is the carburetor boils all the fuel out, and it'll load it into the intake. So the, the vapor is there, and then it won't let any fresh gas come into the carburetor. So you sit there and crank on it and crank on it and crank on it until it finally you'll get some fuel up to it, and it'll crank up. Of course, it acts like it's flooded, and then you move on down the road. What, how does it react when you actually, when it does the vapor lock? You're driving down the road. What does your car do? Uh, it will actually shut off with your load up. Um, it'll start loading up, start bucking. Um, you'll see a lot of black smoke coming out the back for the simple fact that you're getting way too much fuel. Usually in the higher temperatures like we're having now, uh, you'll run into that issue. Uh, you don't have that issue as much on fuel-injected cars as you do as carbureted, but you do run into it from time to time. Is there something they can do to avoid it, prevent it? Well, there's really, other than keeping the engine temperature down, um, there is several different steps you can do to prevent it. One is uh, actually spacer the carburetor up off the intake or, and protect it from the heat. 
you can actually put heat wrap around the bottom of the carburetor to keep the heat from the engine absorbing into the carburetor. You can also put um, a chiller line or basically a water line wrapped around your fuel line going up to the carburetor, which would also keep the temperature down. And the way you do that is you take like a regular piece of copper wire, copper coal, wrap the fuel line and uh, run a separate auxiliary pump through it out of a reservoir and that will cool that fuel line before the fuel hits the carburetor. Cool. That, you know, at least, you know, I know with this with this one, it's just a matter of it's running terrific, then all of a sudden it just powers down. Yeah. It, and it'll start loading up. Yep. Well, you know, what is the best thing that I can do to keep my car running in the best condition and running properly? Do your maintenance. Uh, the biggest problem people have is not doing their regular maintenance. It, if you be proactive and come in and do the maintenance on your vehicles, then you don't have to worry about the problems that are coming because you already know what they are. In other words, if you get your oil changed regularly, you do your services per the manufacturer's recommendations, you're usually in good shape. In other words, you do preemptive work rather than reacting to the problem. If you find a small seal leak, it's a whole lot cheaper to fix that seal leak now than it is to replace a transmission later on because you ran it out of fluid. So if you're proactive with your maintenance, it will be cost effective in the long, long term for the simple fact it's saving you money. You may spend $5 today compared to saving you 5000 next week. You know, you bring up a good, uh, good point with the, you know, the oil changes and all that. I mean, you know, back in the day, it was 3,000 miles, 3,000 miles, 3,000 miles. Uh, today, some of them recommend 3,000, or the, some of the mechanics will go ahead and change it at 3,000 miles. Some of the recommendations are 5,000 miles. And I think, you know, from what I understand, a lot of it depends on what grade of oil you're using, what weight of oil you're using, what type of car, and, and all that. Can you kind of clear that up? Uh, the rule of thumb is no more than 5,000 miles. You've got manufacturers out there that tell you you can go 10 on synthetic. Personally, I would not do that. Uh, oil does not go bad. I don't use dates as a service reminder. In other words, if it's only, well, it's six months or 6,000 miles, if it does 6,000 miles, change your oil. And usually it depends on what the manufacturer recommends. Always try to follow your manufacturer's recommended service intervals. Nissan's 3750. Uh, Chevrolets are, I think, 5,000 on most of those. It, but it depends on the manufacturer. And it also depends on the type of service or duty you've got that car in. Exactly. If you've got that car in a severe duty service, um, then you're going to change the oil more frequently. In other words, it, Atlanta, most of Atlanta is not a severe duty service area. But like your patrol vehicles that you run with Paradigm, that would be a severe duty service. I'd want to frequently more oil changes on your vehicles than what the manufacturer recommends because of the high temps and the high speeds that they do. Um, that's what I would be doing would be the severe service, and there is a service table for that. Well, I know ours uh, usually in your shop enough to where we don't have to worry about the time or the mileage. They just happen to be in there, and you go change the oil on it. So. Well, if we catch it, you know, if we'll, we'll take a look at it and see what it looks like when it comes in the door. And, 
if it's time or getting close to the time, absolutely, we'll go ahead and get it changed. I know a lot of times it's not necessarily, for instance, let's just take a transmission. It's not necessarily how long the transmission's had the fluid in there. You can look at the transmission fluid and tell, well, for instance, when you're doing your service, your checkouts on a car coming in that somebody's about to buy, you can take a look at that transmission uh, fluid and tell whether or not there may be issues sometimes or whether or not it's been a long time by color. Is that true? It is true. Uh, Usually good transmission fluid is uh, cherry red. It's a real nice red color. Um, There's some of them that actually use clear, like the Nissans with the CVT transmissions. Their fluid's actually almost an off-green because it's vegetable-based. So you really have to pull the stick, look at the fluid, and see and smell it. Uh, Burnt transmission fluid, there's only one smell like it in the world, is burnt transmission fluid. When you pull the stick out of there, if you've got any black on the end of it or if it's real dark, you're pretty much headed downhill from there. Oh, man. That, uh, well, I know, you're moving a little bit away from that, I know you know, kind of this a security point here. I know that, you know, like I mentioned, every, every business goes through security concerns, whether it's physical security or whether it's other types of security. I would think that in your business, all of your clients and customers, uh, they've got to feel secure in the fact that who they bring it to is going to do the work that's needed, only the work that's needed. It's not going to try to upcharge them or upgrade into something that, for instance, one of my officers had a a personal issue here recently, and uh, it was like the battery was dead. And he takes it in. He had to, you know, he doesn't have a lot of money. I mean, it's got to have that car to get back and forth to work. It cost him a few days. But when he when he took it in there, the ba- he, put, he replaced the battery. It didn't make any difference. So obviously, it's not just the battery. Right. Well, he took it in to the shop, and I won't mention the shop's name, but it was up in Athens, and it was uh, you know they ended up walking out of there selling him an alternator and a starter, and you know I've got my opinion on that, but you know. My opinion is that somebody just sold him something he didn't need because if it was the alternator, uh, it would have still started with a new battery. If it was a starter, then you got a problem. So somebody just sold him a piece of of equipment that he didn't need by just because he didn't know any better. Well, that's true. There's a lot of people out there, as of like the rest of the world, that don't have enough work, so they go around hunting for things and problems that that aren't really there to sell work. Fortunately, I'm not one of those people. I never have been. Uh, All my customers come in. You know what's wrong with your car pretty much when you drive it every day. I listen to the concerns. We address those problems. If we happen to see it, if there's something else going on, we'll inform them and let them know. Otherwise, if you're going on vacation, bring your car in to me. Be more than happy to check it over from top to bottom, let you know what you're facing. So when you get down to Florida to have a good time, you won't be worried about getting back. Um, we don't arbitrarily run around and inspect all the vehicles. In other words, if it's something that you want inspected, we'll inspect it. You drive that car every day. You're in that seat. You feel the way it feels. You know the way it runs. If you have a problem, take it to a licensed certified professional and have it checked out and not all shops are the same 
uh, I don't sell work that you don't need. We just don't do that at my place. Uh, I was brought up differently. I, I was brought up to respect people and to respect people's pocketbook. I'm not there to make that one big sale and never see you again. I want you business for life. That's why that's the, the philosophy we run on at my shop is that I want everybody to return. And I've still got from day one, I've still got customers that come into my shop that have been there since day one that are still repeat customers because they like the way we do business. In other words, I'm not there trying to make up work. I've got plenty of real work to do. Now, the, the real work is getting the job done, getting it done right the first time, and getting it out the door at a reasonable price to the customer. Well, I've noticed from being in there, I've heard you talk with other customers, and I've heard you tell them, you know, you listen. I've watched you listen to them, I've watched you talk to them, and at least it's my observation that, you know, you'll tell them, what you think and then when they come in to look at the car you'll say well here's a couple other things that you might want to keep in mind and you've done that with me yeah this is a couple of things that you might want to keep in mind somewhere down the road you're going to need this that or the other absolutely and but it, you don't just come in and throw the stuff in the car or just tell them you know this is a bunch of stuff that you're going to need and you don't really need it and i think that's where your security for your clients and customers comes in is feeling secure in that you're going to know that what you've got is an honest person doing the work. That's that's what we strive for at Sotheby's Garage. We strive to be honest, forthright, and straight up. Uh, we don't sell you work you don't need. You'll never see me walk in and present a customer with a list of 35,000 things they need done to their car. Oh, my God, it's falling apart. Uh, I've seen a lot of shops that operate like that. Yes, have I. If they operate like that, turn around and walk out. You don't need that. Just, you know, take care of your vehicle, and it'll take care of you. I totally agree. Um, let's move down from the, uh, the the engine, the operations, and let's talk a little bit while we got some time here about things like alignments and, you know, two-wheel, four-wheel. I know a lot of people don't really know you know how often should you align your car every time you change you know get a spare tire or get a car tire fixed or well i get that question a lot uh usually about once a year every 12 months take it in and have it lined up the four-wheel alignment is what we perform at the shop we don't do two-wheel alignments uh if you've ever Why been in you do that well if you've ever been in traffic riding down the road and you pull up behind somebody and you can see the front fender of the vehicle it looks like it's going down the yep. road sideways yep They've had a two-wheel alignment. Uh, the four-wheel alignment differs because the four-wheel alignment actually uses the thrust angle to keep the vehicle straight. In other words, it tracks straight down the road. Uh, if you do a two-wheel alignment, you can set that steering wheel anywhere you want, and again, you'll see the front fenders when you're riding behind it down the highway. I've seen that many times. I thought maybe just the frame was bent. <laughs> no, no. That's uh, somebody pulling off a two-wheel alignment that they should be doing four-wheel alignments. So you're still going to get the bad wear and all that kind of stuff on your, at least the what, the front tires or the back tires? Uh, you'll get the or wear both. on, it, it, it basically dragging the rear down the road sideways like that. Um, you know, if you spend the, the money for the alignment once a year, it'll save you the cost of the alignment and the price of the tires that you have to buy. You'll, the longevity of the tires all depend on that alignment, that and the rotations. Um, main thing is keep your air pressure up in your tires to whatever it says in the door. If you open the driver's side door, there's usually a sticker there. Or you can look in your owner's manual and it'll tell you where the proper inflation point is. 
if you keep that air up and those tires to keep your alignments done, it'll save you the alignment cost per year in what you're saving in having to buy new tires. Well, I believe that. We buy a lot of tires. And yep. It's driving real slow and driving in circles. Yep. Um, you know, the prices of gas today are going pretty high. You know, people are saying, you know, what do I do to, to get better gas mileage? What do I do to save some money? You know, I want to feel secure that my money is going to take me into my retirement. How am I going to do it if I'm spending money on gas? So, well, the, the, the biggest issue or the biggest thing that I see is proper inflation of the tires. Does that really help? It does. Uh, it, the, the higher the pressure on the tires, the easier they roll down the road. What if I just overfill them? Does that get me Well, no, 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 because then you start popping tires. You get overpressure. Uh, okay. uh, you've got a certain range there that you can run in, but, you know, pretty much keep it to the manufacturer's recommendations. Yeah, okay. yeah I got you. you know, it, and it goes back to that same old thing. And then the second thing you can do and the easiest thing to do is um, clean out your closet. Clean out your car. Every pound of weight that you're dragging down the road is an extra pound that that motor has to turn and pull. So if you just go in there, and it's just like spring cleaning, go in there and take out that extra set of golf clubs you got in the trunk. Or if you just went on beach vacation and you've still got the trunk packed with all your stuff, your gas mileage is going to suffer because of it. All those coolers full of ice and ice water. Yep. And all the sand and all the extra stuff. It's horsepower to weight. So the, the lighter the vehicle, the better the mileage. That's an interesting point. I bet you a lot of people had never thought of that, including a bunch of stuff in your back seat or like my Yukon. I know you're smiling <laughs> where it has a whole lot of stuff in my Yukon. Yeah, um, you, you do tend to carry a lot of stuff in the Yukon, and I'm real surprised your gas mileage isn't down to about 11 or 12 miles <laughs> a gallon. But uh, the, be- the best thing you can do is clean out your closet. I mean, really and truly clean that car out, get the weight out of it, uh, do your regular maintenance, make sure your air filter's clean, uh, your fuel filter's clean, and your tires are properly inflated, and you're going to about, get about the best mileage you can get out of that. Well, you'll be happy to know I have cleaned out the back of it. My office is no longer there. It's in my garage. Well, that's good. That's good. I'm <laughs> glad to hear it. Um, you know, a lot of people, we, we're in summertime now. But we're going to be coming up to the winter. Uh, what does it? What do you do to winterize your car? Is that really important that you do specific things differently to get ready for winter? Or? Well, I always say do it in the springtime mm-hmm. because it, it's the same chemicals that are in the radiator keep it from boiling over as to keep it from freezing up. It's glycol, antifreeze. So it's like summarizing. Yeah, as you summarize it. I wouldn't suggest waiting till the first freeze to winterize it if you do uh it's probably already too late Uh, what is winterizing winterizing is making sure that the antifreeze to water ratio is correct in the cooling system of that car how do you know that uh you have a glycol meter we actually have a meter that checks the thickness or salinity of the water and it lets you know what temperature that it'll go down to i do know that um some of your Pep Boys, AutoZones, O'Reilly, stuff like that, sell you these little tiny, looks like a basting thing, and it's it, it got a little bulb on it, and it's got little balls in it that rise up and tell you information about the water. It, it, do those really work, or is it just Absolutely. a Absolutely. Good... Uh, all your testing there is basically specific gravity. Um, they work. 
you can do it yourself. You don't have to take it to a professional, although it is recommended. And please do not open a hot radiator cap. Do not open a radiator cap when the car has been run. Make sure it's been cool. But pull you a sample. Those little testers are $1.99. Exactly. It'll save you money in the long run. If your motor freezes up, and I had this case a few years back, I actually had to bring one in the shop. It had to set in the heat for two days before it thawed enough to see what was broken and what wasn't. It was frozen that solid. Did it crack the Oh, it cracked the block. It blew the freeze plugs out, and uh, it was very, very expensive to get back on the road. So, again, that $5 worth of maintenance would have saved him $3,000 worth of motor. So it's all you get what you give. In other words, whatever you put into that vehicle is what you get out of it. Well, I know that, you know, just having all the information – that a person needs that they can some of the stuff that they can do themselves and i think that's important that you you have a business person that is in the business to repair cars and in the business to take care of them you make your money on fixing people's issues and fixing people's problems and things but there's also you don't have a problem with informing people and letting them know there are things that they can do where they don't have to bring them to you if they just do them absolutely uh my best customer is an informed customer if you know what you're facing and i know what you're looking at and we're all on the same page we're not doing brain surgery in the back back there we're fixing cars every once in a while we get into communication lines you know and calm can calm can lines that, that, that where you're having problems with communications between the computers but really and truly my best customer is an informed one if you know what you're looking at you know what the problem is I know what the problem is. It's easy enough to get it fixed and get you back on the road. Well, that 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 works for me. I know that uh, from from my end of it, being able to rely on our vehicles for the security patrols and all being in the shape that they need to be, so that our clients get the business that they want. Uh, you know, they expect that, but they don't expect to hear, "Well, I I've got your car in the shop. We can't put it out there. We can't do our patrol." They expect the service that they're paying for. So it's important that we have somebody, and preventive maintenance is a big part of it. It is. That we have somebody that's taking care of those and turns it around and gets it back out there so that we can take care of our clients. And that's the security end of it for us with you. Yeah. Um, we try to strive, well, we strive to same-day service on most vehicles. Some of these problems are bigger than that, and you will be informed when you come in the door. We realize that. You know, everybody usually only has one vehicle. So without that vehicle, you're stranded, and there's no worse feeling in the world than being sitting there without a vehicle stuck at the house. And having stuff you need to do. And having, you know, whether it's going to pick up the kids from school, uh, going to the library, going to the grocery store, everybody's got errands and routines they have to run. And we all try, at at least at my shop, we run on a time-sensitive forward map. In other words, we try to get you out just as fast as humanly possible. Uh, Sometimes we have delays on parts. Sometimes we have delays on actually getting the pieces in the house or the manufacturer or they don't have the availability of the part. But you'd be informed of that knowing up front what's going on with it. Again, my best customer is an informed one. Well, I know that the majority of your business, your advertising, basically, uh, you have a fantastic word of mouth that customer to customer to customer they're referring people to you so and it, referrals from other customers are the best way to get business 
but I'm sure there's some people out there that might like to contact you or get information. If they wanted to contact John Sosby or Sosby's Garage, what can you give them? Uh, uh, how would they get in touch with you? Uh, we have several different ways of doing that. You can reach me at 678-825-2127. That's the shop phone. Repeat that. It's 678-825-2127. Uh, that's the shop phone. Somebody grabs it. If we're in the middle of something else and it goes to voicemail, leave me a message. I'll always call you back. Within very short time with yeah just as fast as humanly possible uh we have a facebook page which is sosby's garage at facebook.com and uh, we also run a uh we have an email address which is sosby's garage all one word spell sosby's because that's going to be a biggie yeah it is um it's s-o-e-s-b-e-s-g-a-r-a-g-e at gmail.com okay I've, I know I've recommended that you also get on LinkedIn, so we're going to see what we can do about getting you there. Yeah, Rick's been pushing me to get on this LinkedIn, so we're going to try to see what we can do about getting that set up and rolling. Uh, my business has been built on word of mouth. Uh, if you like what we do, you tell somebody. If you have a problem with something we do, you come back and see me because the buck stops with me. It all stops with me, uh, one way or the other. Well, John, I appreciate very much you being here and talking a little bit about your business. And, and you know, it, there's just a lot of great information there. I hope people recommend that they go and take a look on uh, at this podcast or take a listen to this podcast as we move forward and get some information from you. But I want to thank you for joining us on Case in Point, as again presented by Paradigm Security Services. Remember, you can join us live every Wednesday at 1130 in the morning. And we're here till usually about noon. Or you can listen to our show anytime you want by going to businessradiox.com, clicking on the Gwinnett Studio, and then click on Case in Point. Thanks again to my guest, John Sosby. And he didn't, she didn't say anything, but his lovely wife sitting here, Amanda. Also remind you again that I am Rick Strong. And remember, at Paradigm Security Services, we cover more than just your assets.